Hi, I'm Jodie Coulson and welcome to The Lonely Londoner. I thought this first episode would be a really good opportunity to look back at my life and go through some of the reasons that I've got to the point where I am and some of the things that made me want to start this podcast in the first place. So we will be kind of diving backwards into my life, by all means, if you're not interested in that skip ahead to the next episode um but I thought it would be good to talk about sort of the birthplace of how I came up with this concept and why I think it's important to talk about so if I go all the way back to when I was in school I just didn't have a clue what I wanted to do with life you know growing up you kind of say oh I want to do this and I want to do that and some of those things were vet police officer at one point occupational psychologist um I just didn't know though what I exactly wanted to do and I found it really difficult and the concept of picking options when you're in secondary school that were gonna define the rest of your life was absolutely terrifying to me because I just didn't know what I wanted to do and I couldn't understand the people that did know what they wanted to do and I look back and I think about people who I went to school with who at the time were saying things like I'm going to be a doctor and they studied the things that you have to study to become a doctor and now they're doctors and have been for years and that is incredible that those people knew what they wanted to do they moved forward with their lives I just didn't have that and I think so I'm also very convinced that I have autism. Um, I was diagnosed with dyspraxia, like as a kid, which I do believe originally they said was sort of somewhere on the spectrum. It's kind of up and down. I actually am going to get investigated for autism as an adult, but I think that effect on me was just this like inherent lack of comprehension of how people planned out their lives when we hadn't tried anything like I didn't know how people knew they wanted to be a doctor when they'd never tried to be a doctor I don't know if I'm making sense of that but hopefully some of you will understand what I'm talking about and so when I was in school I just picked whatever options I thought were fun because I just wanted to be having a good time um, and not having a hard time Um, and whatever I moseyed on through life um, and eventually I ended up going to university for performing arts it was drama theatre and performance Um, but I just didn't enjoy it I really wanted to be doing practical things and I think that was a theme that's run through life is that I always got on a lot better with subjects that were practical so even things like languages they're practical you have to talk them out loud you have to speak and do something rather than just be writing down and I also really enjoyed drama things like art I liked I wasn't good at art I'm terrible at drawing I just don't have the coordination from it and I think that comes from the dyspraxia um but actively doing things was a theme of things that I liked to do so practical subjects so I ended up going to uni to try that as a degree and it just didn't work out for me I didn't like it and I ended up leaving um 
and I kind of bounced around different jobs in between different sets of education that I went to do and I kept thinking I need to know what I'm doing and I kept picking random career choices because as you get older there's kind of more pressure to well you need to know what you're doing you need a career like you're not 15 anymore now you're 20 now you're 22 what are you going to do with your life And it was really scary. Like, I didn't know. I still didn't know when I was 22 what I wanted to do with life. Um, And I ended up doing a few different courses. Um, I did a few different jobs. And eventually, I landed on sign language. So again, I did a course. It was very practical. You used your hands. It wasn't very, like, written down. Um, I ended up being quite good at that. And I went to uni for that. Um... But when I got there, I just, I didn't enjoy it. I stuck it out. I stuck out the three years. I did get the degree in that. But I knew halfway through the first year that I was not going to pursue it as my career. And so I kind of felt like I was back at the start. And I was quite old when I did that. I mean, not old, but, you know, I was older than everybody else. And by the time I finished that, I was 27. And so still, now there I was again at 27, having no idea what I wanted to do with my career and having to try and figure something out again. And I just found it really stressful and really difficult. And I did see a career advisor at uni and we kind of discussed maybe being a paramedic. And in the end, I ended up working for the ambulance service um, in a different capacity. So I actually was what they call an EMD, an emergency medical dispatcher um, for the ambulance service. So People would call 999 and they talk to me and we'd send them an ambulance. Um, And I think the sort of thought process behind that was that I'd be good in a crisis. It was quite practical. It wasn't super um, academic-y. And it's not that I'm not intelligent. I just don't necessarily do well with the academics as much. I need to be like doing things and be practical and creative. Um, And so... I worked there for a few years. I think the gist was going to be that I would sort of move into being an ECA, which would then move me potentially into becoming a paramedic. And that was kind of the ultimate goal. Um, But it didn't end up working out because it was just too traumatizing for me. My mental health was really bad. COVID hit. It was a whole scenario. And again, I found myself just in a place where I just had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, And obviously like going to uni had not been the best thing for me and I'd ended up sticking it out to get a cap and a gown and at this point I was now in a job hoping to get a future job which would hopefully lead me to another future job and it just wasn't making me happy um and I started looking up like different jobs that I could get because I just at that point was kind of feeling really bad about myself I was feeling really upset and I'd felt like I was failing because I wasn't enjoying what I was doing and you hear stories about people who actually enjoy their jobs but I did kind of think that was a myth and I got to a stage where I just wanted to move back in with my mum and just not think about things and just get a random menial job um but I just didn't have to think about I wasn't thinking about a career and I think that that when I say menial job I don't mean that in a degrading way I just mean like in my head I needed a career but actually at this point I was like whatever I'll just go and work anywhere that might not have future possibilities because I'm getting too stressed out with this concept um 
and actually I did end up looking for jobs and I found an apprenticeship which bearing in mind I was 29 at the time I took one look at it and thought that was 100% me I sent it to all of my friends they all agreed that it would be perfect for me but I was really toying with the fact that it was an apprenticeship and I was 29 and apprenticeships were something that like 16 17 year olds did and I in my head they were things like building and plumbing and this apprenticeship was in media and advertising but even though I was a little bit reserved about the idea of doing an apprenticeship because I was 29 at the end of the day in two years time I was going to be 31 so I could either be 31 and still be not having a clue doing nothing or I could potentially be 31 going into a job that would become a career and so that's what I chose to do and I did do that apprenticeship And I think it's really important to think about the way that the world perceives things like that, because it really was stigma that would have stopped me from doing that. I just didn't want other people to think that I was really behind. I didn't want to feel like I was really behind. And actually, it was just another path in life. And it was an amazing thing. It was such a good opportunity. I'm still doing it now. Um close to the end but I've actually really found something that I do enjoy and whereas when you study you're sort of learning all the theory but you're not necessarily doing the practical thing with an apprenticeship you're actually doing the job and then the study is like 20% and so it's had a much better effect and I feel like I actually should have been doing this from the beginning and had I known more about apprenticeships when I was in college maybe that would have been the option for me because I could have tried something different that was actually practical and I would have known what I wanted to do. As I say, I did though, when I was sort of going through all of this process, feel really, really left behind. All of my friends were getting careers that they liked, getting married, buying houses, having a family. And even if those things are not necessarily things that I wanted to do, for example, I don't have any interest in having children. I am happily child free and I don't want children in the future. I know that about myself. But it still is a big life thing that was happening to other people that were my peers that made me feel like I was somehow lacking in life because I was just a 30 year old going about life sort of wandering around not really knowing what I was doing um and so I think in the end it was there was a lot of pressure um I felt a lot of pressure that I should be doing something should be doing something and actually I took a step back and just realized that you don't have to go at the pace of anybody else everybody moves at their own pace and if I get this apprenticeship when I'm 29 and finish it when I'm 31 there's nothing wrong with that like it's fine some people want to have babies some people don't some people want to get married some people want to have careers we're all on our own path and it's actually fine but it is also totally valid to feel that anxiety of feeling like you're being left behind so when I got the apprenticeship that meant moving to London and I had been in Devon previously um I actually was born in London but we moved to Devon when I was 
about 12, me and my mum and some of our family friends. Um, and so that's where I'd spent most of my time other than the years when I was at uni um, and a couple of years when I lived in Bristol. But so I had been in Devon and so I needed to move to London and I was willing to do that because I thought the job would be a really good opportunity for me. Um, but obviously that was quite daunting as well. Like moving to a completely new city is a little bit stressful. And actually it was when I lived in Bristol when I was working for the ambulance service, which was probably a year before I actually even got the apprenticeship job that I'd started to think about what I wanted to do and the fact that I felt really trapped. And I actually realized that I felt trapped because I was only looking in those areas so I was looking in places like Bristol for jobs I was looking in places like Devon and I was really restricting myself and I realized I'm an adult and because I don't have these life ties like other people like a home and a husband and a family I could just pick up and move to wherever I want to like I could move to the moon tomorrow and I'd be able to because I don't have anything tying me here and I think that had kind of ruminated over the next year before I got the apprenticeship and so when it came to moving to London it actually wasn't as daunting as I thought because I'd been thinking on it for a few years and luckily because I'd lived there I actually had somewhere to live and I ended up moving in with my dad when I first moved to London which was really really lucky because finding somewhere to live in London is an absolute nightmare So something I've really, really struggled with since being here is finding somewhere to live. Um, I actually moved out of my dad's house. After a few months, um, there were situations, didn't work out for me living there. And I ended up moving in with my sister for a little while. So I was looking for a house to move into while I was staying with my sister for quite a while. And in the end, I just picked one that looked fine I didn't really know much about it I did come and view it and the room looked fine um but it wasn't my idea of what moving in with people would be like it was a shared house but it was more of a HMO so for those that don't know HMO is house of uh multiple occupation I think um multiple occupants um and that really was what it was like um I'm saying was I still live here it's an eight bedroom house and nobody talks to each other it's not like a housemate house where you interact and have fun and make friends it is just very very isolating I kind of just sit in my house in my room by myself um and it's just not a good place to be And I have been searching for somewhere to move to for the last probably seven months. And it is just impossible to find somewhere to move to. Um, I've looked all around London, all around different areas. And it really is tough. I think sort of for London, the best site to be looking on is Spare Room. And I've just had major major stress and worry and I've sent thousands of messages and people just don't reply people don't respond to you you just get rejections it's really really difficult I don't know what I'm doing wrong um but that can be a really tough aspect and it can make you feel really isolated and lonely when you're stuck in a place that you don't want to be 
And so for me, my life is a lot better than it was when I worked at my previous jobs because at least my job makes me happy. But the home life is not great. And it's just another thing that I think it's important to talk about because everybody talks about the housing market and buying properties and stuff. But I don't hear a lot of people talking about how it's absolutely impossible to find somewhere to live. And I can't afford my own flat in London like I can't afford to rent my own place and I can't afford to buy a place because you have to spend so much on rent to rent a place so it's really a tough place to live um especially for sort of younger people and especially for single people I feel like things are open a lot more to you when you're in a couple if I was in a couple I would be able to afford a flat um to rent not to buy um but as a single person it's really difficult like I'm on a single income I can't afford I think the cheapest one bedroom flats that I found around are like 1200 pounds which is just insane like that's just not doable for me um and so you sort of end up in a bit of a position and I just think it's something to talk about because London is this amazing place that everybody wants to go to but it can be really tough um and I think that more sort of conversation should be had around London, the housing, the cost of it, the isolation that you can feel by being here. And that's not to say that everybody feels like that. I'm sure some people are having an amazing time. And I think if you do manage to find one of those house shares where you get to know each other and you make friends, your life probably is a lot better um and you definitely can find those places it's just I personally have struggled but I do know a lot of people that live in places like that and it's you know it is much better but when you can't find that again that that can be really really rough so those are kind of all of the things that I mean there's definitely more things those are the things I can think of off the top of my head that I felt were really important talking points that I never really saw anybody talking about. Um, And so that's why I wanted to start this podcast, just to start an open conversation about some of these topics. Maybe we can get some advice. And I really like this concept of when you get to 30, which I am currently, we all grew up, people of my similar age, we all grew up with the film 13 going on 30, And I feel like you haven't turned 30 if you didn't put a post on Instagram or Facebook with a picture saying 30 flirty and thriving because that film is iconic. And if you haven't seen it, you need to reassess your life and go and watch it. Um, But I don't feel like I'm 30 flirty and thriving. I feel like I'm 30 hurty and surviving. And that is totally valid too. And I think it's so good to have that idea of 30 flirty and thriving and manifest it 100%. But it is also also okay if you just don't feel like that. And if you feel like you're only 30 or you're 30 and flirty, but you're not thriving, you're surviving. Like surviving is fine. You don't have to beat to anybody else's drum. And you don't have to live to anybody else's time frame, timeline, standards you're on your own path and I just think that's really important to talk about and remind everybody. I'm also going to get some guests on throughout the weeks 
Um, so other people that maybe live in London or maybe live elsewhere who made big life changes. I just think it's a really good place to have a conversation and relate to people that also are feeling like they're struggling. Because I just think a lot of social media and a lot of media that's put out in the world is from people that are doing really well. And doing really well doesn't mean that you're the most successful person or the richest person or an influencer. Like you can be doing really well in yourself just by getting up out of bed every day. And that in itself is definitely a win for a lot of people. And we need to celebrate the small successes and not feel so stuck and like we're not meeting somebody else's expectations. So I really hope that you found this interesting and that you'll join me in the future for more episodes. I'm going to leave it here, but thank you so much for listening and hopefully I'll catch you in the next one. Bye.